And I want to pay a special tribute to our host and friend, a man that my country greatly admires, and a man that I greatly admire. Uh, when he came to Washington last year, I took him up to Camp David. And while there, we played a game called horseshoes, a game in which you throw a horseshoe as close as possible to a stake far away. And on his very first try, he hit the stake. And I gave him that horseshoe as a symbol of good luck. But as with everything he's accomplished, I think his success was due more to his unique mixture of determination, courage, and skill. That was President George H.W. Bush, July 30th, 1991, in Moscow, in the Kremlin, toasting the President of the Soviet Union, Mikhail Gorbachev. Three weeks later in 1991, a coup attempt in the Soviet Union. The coup plotters put President Gorbachev under house arrest. Now, 2023, an attempted mutiny against Russian President Vladimir Putin. With that backdrop, this episode of C-SPAN's Podcast the Weekly goes back and remembers the 1991 coup attempt in the Soviet Union, and we do it through the words of then-American President George H.W. Bush. In August 1991, Soviet communist hardliners tried and failed to seize control of the country from Mikhail Gorbachev. The coup attempt began on August 19, 1991. That day, President George H.W. Bush was vacationing in Kennebunkport, Maine. At the time, it seemed like the coup would succeed. And uh, I've said over and over again that we did not want to see a, a, a coup backed by the KGB and the military, and apparently that is what is underway. I think um, it's also important to know that coups can fail. They can take over at first, and then they run up against the will of the people. So it's too early to say... August 20th, 1991, President Bush is at the White House. He talks with reporters. Next to him is new U.S. Ambassador to the Soviet Union, Robert Strauss. Now, the situation concerning uh, President Gorbachev's uh, status is still unclear. And I've twice tried to reach him by phone, including within the last hour, but have so far been unsuccessful. Uh, we continue to closely monitor this situation. Our new, and I might add, very able ambassador uh, to the Soviet Union, Robert Strauss, uh, just sworn in, uh, will be departing immediately from Moscow to take charge of our embassy and to report to me on the situation that he finds in the Soviet Union. On August 21st, President Bush was back in Kennebunkport. On that day, reports from Moscow indicated the coup by communist hardliners was crumbling. I think it's too early to decree how disorganized it is, but uh, I think they underestimated the power of the people. They underestimated they, what, what a taste of democracy and freedom brings. And uh, uh, everyone recognizes that there were serious economic problems. And I think they felt that we'll come in there, promise food on the shelves and to solve these problems. And then they saw that overriding all of that uh, was a commitment by many, many people uh, in Russia and in the Soviet Union entirely uh, to democracy, for democracy. So I think there, if this coup fails, that will be the serious miscalculation. 
On August 22, 1991, still in Kenny Bunkport, President Bush stood next to Secretary of State Jim Baker. A reporter asked about Gorbachev, whom the coup plotters had put under house arrest. President, hasn't Gorbachev's personal stature been permanently weakened by this? And can he rule now without the fear of another coup? From I don't see that his stature has been weakened by it. Here's a man who stood, stood by his, his desire for reform and democracy. And he was seized and put under house arrest. And to say that that is a weakening performance, I don't know. Now, if you ask me, has Boris Yeltsin's stature been enhanced? The answer is clearly yes. Uh, but I, uh, this uh, jumping on Gorbachev, uh, who was taken and held uh, under house arrest with his wife and grandchild, I'm simply not going to be a part of that, nor a part of second-guessing all that. That same day, August 22nd, the failed coup ended. It lasted three days. The next day, President Bush talked with reporters. He was on a golf course in Maine. He had just completed a round of golf with professional golfer Arnold Palmer. I got to get out here and hit on the rest of my vacation here. Do you think things are I'm moving vacated. faster your way now than they would have uh, before the coup? Well, I think clearly, because I think when you see that enormous outpouring of democracy, uh, for democracy and the enormous support for freedom, that it, it's bound to be, uh, you know, manifestation of the real will of the people there and that is all very very positive they still have problems they still got enormous economic problems they're sorting out their internal problems so we will stay in touch we will watch it we will not interfere but we will stand with the principles that our foreign policy is built on thank you all very much a few months later on december 12 1991 president bush's secretary of state spoke at princeton university it was a week before his scheduled visit to the Soviet Union. Secretary Jim Baker's speech title, America and the Post-Coup Soviet Union. As a consequence of the Soviet collapse, we live in a new world. We must take advantage of this new Russian revolution, set in motion with the defeat of the August coup, to cultivate relationships, relationships that can benefit not only America, but the entire world. For unlike the Bolshevik Revolution, this revolution of 1991 contains the seeds of a brighter future and enduring peace. It may even contain the potential for a flowering of democracy in places so long inhospitable to it. One person paying attention to Secretary of State Jim Baker's Princeton speech, Condoleezza Rice, the Stanford University professor would later serve as Secretary of State under President George W. Bush. The day after Secretary Baker's speech, on December 13, 1991, Dr. Rice spoke at the Commonwealth Club of California. She discussed economic troubles in the Soviet Union after the failed coup. And thus the West does need to respond, and I thought Secretary Baker's speech yesterday was terrific focusing really on the right thing at this point, which is the short-term humanitarian problem. No one wants to see widespread starvation or deprivation or medical, the lack of medical assistance in what used to be the territory of the Soviet Union. It is important for the international system to find a way to get them through the winter. On December 25, 1991, the Soviet hammer and sickle flag lowered for the last time over the Kremlin, replaced by the Russian tricolor, 
Earlier in the day, Mikhail Gorbachev resigned as president of the Soviet Union. Boris Yeltsin became president of the newly independent Russian state. On May 14, 1992, former President Mikhail Gorbachev visited the U.S. Capitol. He spoke to both houses of Congress in Statuary Hall. Here he is through an interpreter. It would not be superfluous to recall that even at the worst moments, the Russian and other peoples of my country never felt hostility toward the American people. When Russia emerges from the present severe crisis, the national memory will forever remain cognizant of the magnanimity displayed by Americans at this moment of difficulty. This has happened before, more than once, especially at the end of the war with fascism. Of course, those feelings were at the time rapidly suppressed and swept away by the new wave of Stalinist moral and even physical terror. This could never happen again today. And then the 1992 presidential campaign. While George H.W. Bush was president, in addition to the attempted coup in Russia, the Cold War ended, the Berlin Wall came down, the Soviet Union was no more. During the first debate with President Bush, Bill Clinton, and Ross Perot on October 11, 1992, Russia came up. Here's President Bush's closing statement. Well, let me tell you a little what it's like to be president. In the Oval Office, you can't predict what kind of crisis is going to come up. Uh, you have to make tough calls. You can't be on one hand this way and one hand another. You can't take different positions on these difficult issues. And then you need a philosophical, I'd call it a philosophical underpinning. Mine for foreign affairs is democracy and freedom. And look at the dramatic changes around the world. Cold War is over. Soviet Union is no more. And we're working with a democratic country. Poland, Hungary, Czechoslovakia, the Baltics are free. President Bush talked about the Soviet Union again during the second debate, and he mentioned Jim Baker and Robert Strauss. President Reagan said no, peace through strength. It worked. The Soviet Union is no more, and now we're working to help them become totally democratic through the Freedom Support Act that I led on. A great Democratic ambassador, Bob Strauss over there, Jim Baker, all of us got this thing passed through cooperation, Ross. It worked with cooperation, and you're for that, I'm sure, helping Russia become democratic. So the new world order to me means freedom and democracy. Keep engaged. Do not pull back into isolation. And we are the United States, and we have a responsibility to lead and to guarantee the security. And now a bonus clip. Throughout the August 1991 coup plot, President George H.W. Bush repeatedly said the U.S. would not interfere with an internal Soviet matter. Now, current events. Here is President Biden on June 26, 2023, remarking on the present-day military rebellion against President Putin. We gave Putin no excuse to blame this on the West or to blame this on NATO. We made clear that we were not involved. We had nothing to do with it. This was part of a struggle within the Russian system. That's it for this episode of C-SPAN's The Weekly. A reminder, you could do your own searches in the C-SPAN video library. Just go to cspan.org and use the search bar on top. Search more American reaction to failed Russian coups, whether they happened in 1991 or 2023. Thanks for listening and happy searching. <laughs>